Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop the Trunk. I'm Chris James, Head of Partnerships at Content Specialist Trunk. This episode, Adam has kindly handed me the reins as I speak to Nad Hussein, Shopper Marketing Manager at Brivik. We catch up on the return of the on-trade, the impact of the perfect serve, and how optimising menus can make all the difference when it comes to soft drinks. Nad, thank you for coming on. How's things? This is a this is a great time to come on. It's a time when we're looking at you know lots of changes um, ahead post COVID anyway. And uh, to be honest, we're we're nearing summer. It's a it's a fantastic trading time for us. So yeah, really really excited um, about sharing some of the insights and suggestions that we've been sort of working on um, over a long time. Yeah, you'll probably agree. The whole country is desperate to return to the pub, even more so inside the pub. So myself included very very excited to hear your thoughts on the few talking points around the return just for people listening for context could you just describe your role and the, the brands you're associated with yeah this is always an interesting one isn't it when um, <laughs> when, when people are asked to describe what they do by industry standards this is, is always something that we would classify my role as a shopper marketing manager you know primarily looking at the on-trade channel looking to uh, deliver uh, bring our brands to life I, you know, I, I, I like to think of myself more around helping people enjoy their, their beverages and drinks. You know, we've got a huge collection, fantastic brands, you know, to name a few, Pepsi Max, J2O, Fruit Shoot, Robinsons, Mountain Dew, 7up, Tango. There's about 23 brands in total and Britvic spans across the globe. So we don't only have presence in the UK, uh, we have presence in France, Brazil, India, uh, parts of Asia. Uh, so it's it's truly a, a global portfolio that we uh, that we have, and obviously with a, a mainly an on trade focus, I imagine your role's been impacted somewhat over the last twelve to fourteen months. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one, isn't it? So uh, you know, we, we've been working on uh, a lot of insights and a lot of content. You know, um, a lot's been happening over the last fourteen odd months. You know, sadly, the hospitality industry has probably been one of the the most severely that's been impacted over the last year. Yeah. And on the back of that, you know, the reality is that a lots a lots of consumer habits and sort of preferences have changed as well. So we've had to, you know, really stay on top of that. And and for all businesses to sort of engage and excite their customers, there's a reality that you need to be aware of of, of changing times and what's really trending at the moment versus what's sort of um, gone past that and what's gone. Some of these changes habits uh, have come about. So if we take some examples, e-commerce has really exploded, doesn't it, in, in terms of people ordering food and drinks from sort of delivery sites. And that's changed the way that people consume food and drink socially. So whether it's actually at home or with friends and so forth. But I think it also sets a, a bit of a tone in terms of how people will react moving forward. Consumers will have an expectation around what the food and drink should look like in terms of its uh, its serve quality and so in, in terms of optimizing menus for example is there any any tips or insights that you're looking to apply moving forward and suggestions you're going to give to to the pub group customers and hospitality customers we get we get really scientific around this chris um <laughs> yeah. i'm interested to hear, hear the formula <laughs> <laughs> we, we we create something called the the menu, menuology approach, and you know what what this sort of breaks down into um, are really sort of key insights um, and and sort of being aware of the fact that people will only look at a menu for a certain um, amount of period. They'll have a, a thirty seven seconds as an example by the time that they made a decision, 
people need to navigate around a menu really easily. So the way that menus are designed um, and laid out needs to be really sort of flowing. And then one sort of key point that, you know, is, is probably relevant and to bring this up is look at those new products that are coming through the market. And there's a lot of that, right? There's, you know, we look at one category in particular. So uh, low alcohol or no alcohol products coming through the market, you know, lots and lots of development and innovation in that sector at the moment. But when you sort of relate it back to the menu, all and too often we've seen that particular category or those products and range um, appear, you know, with soft drinks as an example. And I don't think that that necessarily works. You know, all the insights suggest that actually customers will be looking for those products within the sort of alcohol menus. Um, so the point here is that, look, you know, if you are uh, optimizing your menus, just look at the layout, look at the navigation, look at the range, uh, look at the creativity on the menu. Imagery really is quite powerful. Um, and being able to sort of hero a serve in any given category is definitely one of the one of the points that we recommend. Yeah, yeah. I've had an experience when I was I was at the pub on Tuesday night, which was the second night after outdoor reopening. I, I sort of bookmarked it in my head to bring up um, drinks that consumers receive, obviously a massive, if not the most important part of, of the pub experience, if we're focusing specifically on pubs. So uh, I'm sure everyone listening has, has received that bad serve at some point you know the, the wrong glass a flat drink not enough ice and now more than ever as you say it's, it's crucial that pubs and, and restaurants get this right and, and just coming on the back of that i mean the, the, the reality is that when when people pick up including myself when we go to a dining environment you know you're looking to really understand the the range that's on offer so you know i mentioned the use of imagery and and really sort of hailing the hero or the serve um uh, with some photography but use descriptions, right? I mean, they're powerful. Use brand logos where you can. This all adds to the point of reinforcing that quality perception for the consumer, right? Mm. And it's all about sort of utilizing those, those tips to drive the appearance, to entice customers, and to sort of grow repeat purchases. That, that, that's got to be the key part of it. Yeah, for sure. So this this situation I was in, on, it was absolutely freezing on, on Tuesday night. I was given the wrong wrongly branded glass for a pint of beer uh, i won't name any names <laughs> but they were very busy uh, and the waitress did highlight it was the wrong glass i wasn't particularly bothered but we talk about menu optimization and then obviously onto the next stage once you've made your choices the next thing you, you greet it with is either a waitress or the drink arriving in a particular glass obviously you've juggling quite a few brands within the portfolio at, at britvic but how can the glassware impact that customer experience there's some great insight here to sort of link back to, I'll bring one out. So, you know, more than a third of consumers have been surveyed through um, sort of agency partners that we work with have said that they would buy a drink based on the glass it's served in. Now, what, what that really suggests is that actually people have a preconceived view, right? And, and the best example I can probably link back into is um, think of a, a pint of Guinness. You know, a pint of Guinness has to be delivered in a Guinness branded glass. In the event that it's not, there is something quite critically missing from the overall experience that you're you're expected to have from the you know from that drink. But what we suggest is that you apply the principles because whether it's um, sort of lager, beer, spirits, alcohol, non-alcohol drinks, this has to apply to soft drinks as well. And and all too often in um, the hospitality industry overall, soft drinks are neglected to some extent, right? Because people think. Actually, it's just a soft drink. We don't need to sort of dress it up. We don't need to perfect the serve. But all the insights tell, tells us otherwise. So yeah, absolutely, glassware 
plays a part in this. There's a fantastic piece of um, research that was done by Charles Spence, University of Oxford, uh, from the Department of Experimental Psychology. And what they looked at in particular was how sort of individual glassware can impact on perceived taste. So the insights that they sort of focused in was uh, on were, you know, the size, the shape, the style of the glass. For example, a, a heavy, thick glass can make the same drink uh, taste differently than in a thin, long glass. So traditionally, you know, this sort of experimentation would have happened in the world of wine um, when they were sort of tasting wine and then differentiating between different qualities of wine. But I think the reality being that what they what they really focused in on was the sort of um, the chemical properties, right, resulting from the sort of retention or release of specific volatile aromatic sort of molecules from the liquid. Um, so it becomes, you know, a, a bit like I said at the beginning, a bit of a scientific approach on this. But the reality is that the way that the liquid will funnel through the glassware will really impact on the taste palette of the tongue. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd encourage listeners, you know, go, go and look into uh, that particular study. It's really interesting. What we sort of drive out is that, look, you know, branded glassware has a place in all outlets. And consumers have a, a preconceived brand perception. So if you're looking at Pepsi Max as an example, we would always encourage pouring Pepsi Max into a Pepsi Max branded glass where you can. And that drives this whole approach to consistency of serve. So for a consumer, they, they should be able to receive that, that sort of 16 ounce or 22 ounce Pepsi Max in a glass, whether you're in an outlet A or outlet C. You know, that, that it shouldn't really matter where you are. Your Pepsi Max should be delivered absolutely perfect every time. That's the basics of it, really. Utilize the brands where you can uh, rein in on the support. There's lots of support going out there, you know, not only from us at Britvic, and bring all that sort of insight and learning back to your outlets and businesses. You know, branded glassware can drive the frequency of purchase, uh, which inevitably will sort of go on and, and drive your profitability. So this is all around customer satisfaction, and that should be the focus. What's the impact of flipping this on its head? What's the impact of a bad serve? Yeah, well, this is this is you know something that's really close to our heart, isn't it? In terms of yeah, you know what what is a bad serve, or or how does it really result negatively for businesses? So look, it, 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 without sort of stretching the thought process on this too far, it, it really strips back to some really really simple points. That look, a bad serve will will more than likely drive bad feedback, and if you look at the way that consumers are really you know sharing their experiences those social occasions those those meetups on on social media and other channels for any business you cannot afford to be on the back of negative critical feedback on those places i mean that this goes out to thousands if not millions of people in turn that impacts on footfall people coming into your outlet uh, which in turn then obviously impacts on incremental revenue that you may have been able to drive on beverages in their own right. Um, there's, again, we relate back to some insight that tells us that if a serve looks strong enough and exciting enough, people will always order another. Most consumers will have a preconceived kind of idea of what drink they'll be having when they go into a restaurant or a pub environment. The focus should be on driving that second or third purchase. Yeah. Restaurants to me obviously seem a, a bit slower, a lot more relaxed. There aren't people stood up waiting to order in a typical restaurant scenario whereas pubs can be quite fast-paced and people are juggling sort of multiple orders all at once. 
what do you think the difference is and what if, if you think there is one uh, in terms of the, the serve within a pub and within a restaurant? Good question. I, I don't think there's a particular difference around, you know, what you should expect from a pub or a restaurant. I mean, the reality is that uh, we as a sort of manufacturer, as a, a supplier of soft drinks, um, have always faced this uh, challenge around getting to a place where we've got consistency of serve. So, as I said previously, a consumer should be able to enjoy a, a Pepsi Max or a J2O um, in the same way, regardless of whether in the restaurant or uh, or a pub environment. Um, yeah. I think historically what we've seen is that restaurants tend to sort of liven up the theatre um, in the serve, and, and, that, and that's just due to the nature of the occasion. So people are going in there. It's a food and drink occasion in the main, um, whereas if you're going into a pub environment, if it's a wet-led environment, that you're really just going in there to have a drink. But I think for all businesses, the reality states that, look, what you really need to sort of understand is, is your customer in its primary sort of place, um, and then deliver a serve that's right for them, deliver a range that's right for them. There's lots of material out there that can help you sort of improve the serve in its own right. But everyone is looking to do the same thing, and that's to drive footfall, increase that customer's um, experience, uh, that satisfaction levels. And we know that, you know, 62% of consumers are likely to buy a better looking drink. And in most cases, are prepared to pay more for it. So, you know, the, all the insights that tells us that in, in, in the first instance anyway, you know, people will share uh, their experiences on social media and it's about being on the right side of that. You know, those most memorable moments, um, be it with food or with food and beverage, you should be able to sort of create those perfect serves uh, regardless of, of the style of the environment you're, you're in or, or the type of outlet that you've got. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned um, sharing drinks on social media because it's something you see, well, <laughs> especially recently, but you see all the time. I think the perfect serve ties in well with the ideology of making your drink Instagrammable. Absolutely. You know, Instagram is a, a fantastic platform to share all sorts of media content on. But the reality states that for, for beverages in particular, I mean, this is where we're really seeing, you know, people becoming more uh, informed on what makes a perfect drink. And yes, people have been perfecting those sort of serves at home. You know, when people post-COVID go, go back into these sort of F&B environments, uh, that, that expectation will hold that, you know, I, I'd like to see a drink that actually sort of delivers a particular standard. You know, I, I, I recall a, an experience I had uh, within a very famous pizza chain and the food was brilliant, always has been. And, and you know, the, there was an expectation on the type of beverage that I ordered. So it was a... A Sicilian lemonade, you know, it had some great descriptors attached to it. No imagery on the menu, but nonetheless, for me, that was a you know, it was a good choice of drink. It would have sat uh, brilliantly with the food I was having, um, so it was a good food pairing sort of uh, uh, combination as well. But there were some sad realities that when this drink arrived, you know, it was uh, it was in a dull, very off-looking glass. I'd say no ice, no garnish. Uh, there was nothing attached to it that could have made it, you know, exciting or made, made it appear to be quite a good drink. Now, um, you know, that was a letdown because I think there's a lot that businesses can do. And it's the basics. It's the basics of delivering that perfect serve that you need to get right. So the, the Sicilian lemonade didn't make it through to Instagram. Then. And that's uh, <laughs> far, far from it, to be honest. And, and I'm sure, you know, you've got some you've got some examples of yourself, you know, in terms of where where it's really worked and where it hasn't worked. You know, when you've been out there, whether it's a, a soft drink or whether you've had a beer, 
or even a spirit mixer, you know? Has, has it been served properly? I look at it mainly when I'm being served cocktails because there's a lot of visual elements. And if you have a bad cocktail, that's for sure you will never go back. And it's the same uh, with my kids have mocktails. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, for me, it's all about a tasting sort of refreshing beverage, you know, in a glass that feels premium, that's filled with ice, where the drink is perfectly created and um, all the sort of ingredients are complementing each other. Finished off with a fantastic garnish um, and served with a smile. That's that's it. I mean, you know, for me, that that, that creates that sort of perfection. And that's not difficult difficult to do. It's just understanding that each of those elements and components make up that sort of perfect serve. You know, this is not extreme science by any means this is simply about creating a brilliant drink and having people really remember it and, and you know we talk about cocktails and, and cocktails are probably that sort of one subcategory where more effort is made in terms of trying to deliver that in in a more exciting way yeah you know interestingly six million people in the uk consume cocktails away from home and you know all the insights suggest that um moving forward these are likely there's likely to be more popular movement towards you know, cocktails once all you know, sort of pubs and restaurants are trading as normal again yeah and, and with that said not about cocktails obviously we're seeing soft drinks and, and mocktails as i mentioned becoming more popular do you think people are more health conscious now when choosing a drink i think so i think we're seeing a, a huge explosion of health and well-being as a consumer trend and there's lots of products on the market trying to sort of meet those consumer needs at the moment they're ranging from ingredients like turmeric ginger cbd and hemp infused drinks to balsamic waters i don't know if you've come across any of those but not the balsamic waters no <laughs> we, we would always suggest that businesses explore their customer profile and then stock a range that is is appealing to them across all times of the day so you know when we think about our portfolio in particular you know, we very much focus in on uh, occasions. So we have suitable solutions for each of those consumer occasions, whether it's, um, you know, a health and well-being uh, occasion, whether it's uh, a mixing occasion, whether it's a, a socialising occasion, or whether you're just enjoying a beverage at home. I looked at some uh, insight not so long ago, which suggested that porn star martini cocktail was the certainly the most popular yeah. over the last 12 to 15 months and that's interesting because it's a classic cocktail it's not easy to make up at home i wouldn't have thought but for sure a lot of customers will be probably asking for that once they get back into these sort of uh, restaurants and pubs environments people are really changing in the way that they're consuming uh, drinks overall and health and well-being sits right at the top of that and we see that through this this whole sort of uh, approach to alcohol as well so it's not necessarily i think insight suggests that something like one in five now are becoming teetotal the reality states that those people that are out there consuming alcohol are really just sort of taking it uh, by occasion so you, you're either in an environment where you're full on alcohol or you're fully off it i don't think it's a mix-up of both i don't think people are going into an environment having a couple of pints and then switching to something else it's it's really a case of what's right for the consumer at that moment in time Agreed. Yeah, you would never have a couple of pints and then move on to a, a no-alcohol drink, I don't think. <laughs> I can't see that happening. But it's, it's, an exciting, um, it's an exciting time, you know. There's, there's lots of innovation going on, uh, lots of experiments around using different flavours and ingredients. And I think we've got a lot more to come further down the line. You know, it's just a case of, as a business, look at what your customers really want 
and stock a range that people will identify and connect with. That's the most important part. And then more importantly, suits all types of occasions, whether it's a, a solo occasion or whether people are coming into groups, celebrating stuff, or whether they're just having a couple's dinner. And we've got lots and lots of insight that can help people link back to sensational drinks and, and have a browse and navigate your way through the site. Awesome. Any, any final words or, or anything else to add? Yeah, I probably want to just sort of finish up on how businesses out there can really drive out um, that excitement and and get customers coming through their outlet. You know, it's all around sort of being social and and creating those irresistible sort of moments and uh, and choices on menu. So whether it's food or drink, but more importantly, tempt customers to come back. I think that's just where most businesses are at the moment. You know, make reviews work for you. You know, we, we touched on this in this conversation earlier around social media and feedback. And I think there's still so many more businesses that don't utilize that function or, or sort of neglect it and ignore it. You know, it really has a huge amount of influencing power. So utilize it to your benefits. Use the free analytical tools that are available in most cases. Track your overall ratings, you know, drive out lots of experiences and then take advantage of all the other opportunities that present themselves through e-marketing. The stats suggest that, you know, for every one pound spent on e-marketing, there's an average of 38 pounds to be gained. Uh, now, as an ROI, that's absolutely fantastic. Wow, yeah. Um, and there's some, there's some great ways and tips to get higher open rates from emails as well. So explore all of that. And then, you know, have a look at the BritVic Serbology principles. Very simple to follow. They're very easy to uh, demonstrate and, and sort of train your staff with, but they provide you with a basic understanding of how to create that brilliant drink in outlet. And it's all around, you know, sort of creating theatre, making sure that the taste and, and liquid quality is absolute and personalising that to some extent with the right range and choice. Awesome. Appreciate you've You've plugged it a couple of times and don't want to say it again, but I do urge people to go and check out sensationaldrinks.com. I look forward to catching up with you soon and thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Chris. Speak soon. Thanks again to Nad for taking the time to chat. You can catch us in more episodes about making the most of your strategy, brand building and all things content on your favourite streaming service.